Hello and welcome to Inside Scoop Live. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Today I'm speaking with Michelle Peach, author of Gazelle in the Shadows, her exciting debut novel that combines some of the most exciting elements of political and international intrigue, historical fiction, and coming of age. Before we start, let's learn a little bit more about Michelle. Michelle Peach worked in the Foreign and Commonwealth Office in the 1990s, serving in London, in the News Department and Private Office of Foreign Secretary Sir Geoffrey Howe. She spent three years as a Radio Communications Officer and Visa Assistant in the British Embassy in Sinai, in the former Yemen Arab Republic. During those three years, she witnessed the beginning of the Iraq-Kuwait War, in a country that supported Saddam Hussein with popular violent demonstrations. She obtained her B.A. in Arabic with Middle Eastern and Islamic Studies at Durham University, where her second year was spent studying in Damascus, Syria. She freelanced as an Arabic translator for a U.N. research report in Beirut, Lebanon, and worked as an executive secretary for the British president and CEO of a large oil shipping company in Dubai, later becoming the business development director of an investment company in Dubai. Michelle also met her husband in Dubai and moved to America. Last year, they celebrated 20 years of marriage at a renewal of their vows in the same chapel in Las Vegas, this time with their children in attendance. Currently, Michelle is working on her second novel. In her spare time, she enjoys volunteering, gardening, and reading. For more information about Michelle Peach and her book, Gazelle in the Shadows, visit her website at michellepeach.com. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Hi, Sherry. It's wonderful to be talking to you today. Yeah, I've been looking forward to talking to you ever since I read your book. To begin, tell us what Gazelle in the Shadows is about. Sure, I would love to tell you about it. Well, it's about Elizabeth Booth, who is a young British college student. And she is, uh, you know, she's an average student, you know, all her life, but then finds that um, she excels in Arabic, especially during her first year at Durham University. And she has prior experience, you know, with work and travel. So she's not your average student. She's a little bit, a few years in, mature-wise. Mm-hmm. And she goes to her professor to ask if she can travel to Syria during her second year, which is the, the language year that they spend overseas. And her professor is uh, a bit reticent, but in the end agrees for her to go because of her prior experience, and she's the only one of her class of about 20 students who who actually is allowed to go to Syria, although the college doesn't know much about sending students there. Mm. So she embarks on, on this journey, and she's very trusting, and she's a smart student and somewhat naive. She's had a bit of a sheltered life with a very stern father, and she heads off on the plane and doesn't really have much in the way of plans, um, you know, with her hotel booking. I think she tried her best at the researching about Syria back in the 1990s um, when this was set. And, you know, there was no internet and she she looked around in libraries and really only embarked with one book, which was the Lonely Planets book back in those days was um, was almost like a Bible to her. But it really didn't give her an awful lot of advice. But she set off on the plane and is welcomed by even people on the plane and arrives in Damascus and immerses herself into the life in Damascus, meeting local friends and even eventually 
registering into um, a foreign language school and meeting other foreign students and starts to really buckle into her studies and she even has a boyfriend at this point. And so everything's going really well for her. But things start to go a little awry and small red flags appear and she receives a warning about her boyfriend, Hussein, who is um, a local a local boyfriend. And then through a series of twists and turns, Elizabeth slowly gets drawn deeper into a web of lies and betrayals and even a murder, which ultimately you know threatens her life and threatens those of others. So it's a very kind of twists and turns and mystery and um, an, an exciting book. I'm, I'm hoping people will enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, it is exciting. I love how you uh, you mentioned about not having the internet, and it's something, I mean, we take so much for granted today when traveling especially, so kind of puts yeah. you in a different mindset. Yeah, I love the story. What inspired you to write it? Well, really, there were two things. The first one was um, I had thought about the book since I was there in the 90s, and um, it wasn't really the impetus happened when the devastation began in 2011 and and beyond in Syria, the civil war. Mm. And I knew Syria, I fell in love with Syria, and I knew Syria for the beauty and the people that were there. And it just devastated me um, when I started to see what was happening there and the destruction in the cities that I had visited. I mean, some cities like Palmyra that had Roman remains, and I remember being just, it was just breathtaking, mm-hmm. um, I think has been destroyed and other um, incredible historic monuments have, are, are just there no longer. So I felt I wanted to write this book also for people to see Syria through my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows when people will ever be able to travel there again and, and who knows if they'll see what I, what I saw. And uh, the second reason is um, over the years since I've been there, I, I used to tell friends, you know, off and on occasionally about things that I did, and I'd come up with, you know, little little stories at parties, and people were always fascinated by what I said and really found it quite unbelievable. And they usually said, you, you have to write a book about this. You have such an unusual life. Um, and I'd kind of poo-poo it. But, you know, <laughs> things just came together in the end. And I thought, you know, I, I should because I now have children and I'm a stay-at-home mom in Atlanta and they really have no idea of my prior life. And I thought, I really do need to write this book for for so many reasons now. So it all came together, really. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. So what do your kids think about your book? Have they read it? Yes, they have. Even my um, my middle school child read it and um, wrote a book report on it to his teacher. Oh wow! And um, yeah, it's, yeah, I had so much support from them and from my husband. You know, through the process. You know, and then after gave me some feedback. But yeah, they've all read it and really enjoyed it. So it it does actually interest uh, you know young adults as well as uh, older adults. Yeah, that's great. Now I'm interested. How did you come up with the title? I came up with something I, wa- I wanted to reflect the Middle East that people knew as soon as they picked it up because there aren't just gazelles in Africa, there are gazelles in the Arabian Peninsula. And um, I-, I wanted something Arabic 
and also something that would tell the reader that this was, you know, espionage and secrecy and a you know a thriller. There were there was mystery in this story, which is where the shadows came from. Mm-hmm. And um, the gazelle is, you know, from my studies uh, at university, we came across it often as the symbol in Arabic literature, even before pre-Islamic times. Hmm. And up until today, it's even um, in modern music. And it's a symbol of femininity and beauty and love. And at the same time, it's vulnerable and you know, has many predators. So I felt like this was Elizabeth. I mean, she was she was really chased, you know, almost by large predators. Mm-hmm. And um, she was actually in that situation. So I thought it was a really great fit in the end. Yeah, and the cover uh, speaks to it as well. It's perfect, yeah. Yeah, that was actually done by my neighbor. She was a wonderful artist. Really? Jeanette Wiley. I've known her for years, and I, I knew she was a fabulous artist. And I just asked her one day, you know, what, could you do some an illustration for my book? And she was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so honored. I would love to do that. And um, we talked about it, and she and her husband helped me a lot. And he helped me with the website, and she came up with the with the painting, and I fell in love with it. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's great. I love how you dive headfirst into so many genres. Um, there's political and international intrigue, and there was some historical fiction and coming of age, but I also felt like it read a bit like a memoir. And, of course, in the front you state that parts of it are based on a true story. So without giving anything away, of course, can you share any bit of the truthful tones with us? Yes, I appreciate you know, um, not giving anything away, um, but <laughs> I did go to uh, to Syria, and um, I did jump on the plane, and um, these relationships that I had were the real relationships. Um, I had a, um, a difficult relationship with my father, and there's a relationship with uh, Hussein was also um, very real. Through the book, the people that I met are actually based on uh, real people that I met, and I think really... The biggest truth about the book was the catalyst for how the book came about because after university, I went to work in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates and part of my job at the very beginning was getting a work permit. So I had my passport in to the personnel department, which was actually a completely separate building and I knew no one there. But when I went to pick up my passport, the personnel officer just nonchalantly said to me, oh, you were a diplomat in Sana'a, in Yemen. And I, I mean, <laughs> I my jaw dropped. And I said, how, how on earth would you know that I was a former diplomat? And he said, it's right here in your passport. Oh, and God. showed me along the spine of the book, and it was right on the same page as an Egyptian visa, was written in scrawly Arabic handwriting, and there was handwriting all all over these visas, numbers and things, but you could very clearly, once it was pointed out, I could read it, and it said, she works in the British Embassy in Sana'a. Now, this was a non-diplomatic passport, mm-hmm. and it struck me that this is six years after leaving Damascus, finishing my degree and having been in Damascus, 
And I thought, I have been traveling around Damascus and Lebanon, you know, for all this time with that in my book, which I knew how the, the Syrian government knew about it. And it kind of started the story. I'm like, they must have thought I was a spy mm. um, because they had to put their stamp in my passport and it really was quite empty. Um, I'd only just left the foreign office, so it's a very empty passport and they would have seen that. So I had traveled to Syria with the Syrians thinking I was parading as a student, but in actual fact, I was a diplomat. <laughs> yes, that was how I sort of thought, well, this is an intriguing story. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I would have been so scared. <laughs> I, a funny thing is, is I, I didn't even know, yeah. which is why, you know, she, Elizabeth was so, you know, so, so innocent. She had no idea that the Syrians were already tracking her. Yeah, that's fascinating. Talk about the writing and the research process. It took me three years to do the research and to do the writing. The research actually proved quite difficult because Hmm. I hadn't an internet back then and I hadn't been writing things down like the names of um, hospitals and the names of the prison and a lot of uh, information that when I was writing the book, I was like, I really would like to know what they are. And when I went to Google, all that came up about Syria, of course, was about the Civil War. Um, You know, if you plug in hospital in in Damascus, I mean, it's a slew of pages and pages of years of all all that terrible things that have been going on. Um, And I came across lots of barriers like this, just trying to find out, um, you know, names of streets, because I wanted it to be authentic and that was one research that I had to dig for a long time. The writing process was quite arduous to begin with but I did get more and more into it. Yeah, as you went on. Yes. Now you've done an extensive amount of travel which uh, of course sounds fascinating and must be a big bonus when it comes to to having the material to write about. So tell us about some of your travels and a couple of your favorite places to visit. Yes, I'm quite a quite a big globe trotter. I've been to 37 countries um, over my life and most of those happened during my time with the foreign office but I have traveled for pleasure and you know done some some traveling with my family but my traveling I started when I left school and one of my favorite countries that I would go back to is is India. I, I went there as a gap year and went to work in an orphanage in the south of India, in the Nilgiri Hills. There's actually a little village called Kotagiri, and I taught the children um, some English and also how to knit. Oh, wow. Because um, it was it was in the wintertime that I was there, and it was, it was way up high, and um, I showed them how to make gloves and hats and scarves and you know, stayed with them for, for quite a while. But after my teaching job there, I traveled all over India and um, even made my way up to Calcutta and worked with the destitute and dying. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, and the most amazing thing is, is I went to church very early in the morning at five o'clock in the morning and all the the nuns were there um, from from the destitute and dying organization that was set up by Mother Teresa and to my surprise, Mother Teresa actually was um, attending the, the mass. Wow! And so we we and the several other backpackers who who had 
who were helping out as well um, met her, and she actually spoke to us all. So that that really was was incredible. I'll never forget that. Oh yeah! Wow, but, that's amazing. All right. <laughs> But the other country that I love is so close to my heart is, of course, Syria. Mm-hmm. And um, it was mainly because of all the historical places that I visited. And, uh, you know, not only in Damascus, where I talk about a lot in the book, about the old city of Damascus, which um, has lots of biblical places, you know, where John the Baptist was and uh, even a street called Strait which is where St. Paul, the apostle, actually walked along the street called Straiten, which is in the Bible. But also outside of Damascus, um, I visited Cracked Chevalier, which is where the Crusades came through Syria and took over a massive fort. And, you know, they were there in, in battle. And it was just an in- incredible example of that era. And, yeah. you know, other Roman remains that I mentioned before in Palmyra. It was a fantastic country, just full of amazing people and amazing culture. It really was just rich. Um, so I, I would definitely recommend that country if it wasn't going through what it went through. Yeah. Now, I'm interested in your writing style, and I wanted to ask you about your use of British English, which is very different for an American writer. So how did you develop your writing style? Yes, it was very jumbled to begin with because having said I was here for 20 years, I picked up American and when I started to write, it was still Englishisms and Americanisms and oh, it was just such a terrible mess. You know, and Elizabeth is British, so I knew I wanted it to be British English, but Mm -hmm. um, I had no hope of cleaning it up myself, so... I did send it off to um, to a lovely editor, um, Alison Birch, in London, and she took it upon herself to clean up all of my grammar and, and my use of uh, words and did a fantastic job of that. I also worked with a content editor here in, a, in America, and um, we talked at the beginning of the book about which um, narrative voice to have, and I'm a great diary writer. I, I've been writing diaries since I was a little girl. Mm. And he suggested, you know, write it in the first person, which made sense to me, although I didn't want to write like um, like it was a journal. But he helped me a lot because I had to reveal this mystery and giving out all the clues in the first person. And I often would say things, and he said, well, Elizabeth doesn't know that. You know, you can't... You can't just blurt that out and give it away, and, and you know, and and that was something you know I had to develop along the way. Is say, you know, how do I reveal things I wanted to reveal in the first person? So it was it was a big learning curve because I've never actually written a book before. And his name's Blake Gray. He was a wonderful content editor. Yeah, when you're writing, you just want to get everything down on paper. And so it's good to have that different set of eyes, look at it and ask questions and probe so you can fine tune it. Yes, I I wouldn't have caught them without his help. That's for sure. Yeah. So what's next for you? Do you have another book in the pipeline? And if so, can you give us any hints about it? (laughs) Yes, I do. I have a sequel in the pipeline. Oh. And (laughs) yeah, Yeah, Elizabeth goes on. Um, She is a little bit older. It's based on my time in Dubai, 
and she's now working for MI6. They have uh, an interest in her um, uncovering the goings-on of a company that's mixed up with Iran. And um, she, uh, she actually meets an American naval officer. And funnily enough, I met my husband in Dubai, um, and he's a, na- a, um, a retired now naval officer. Oh. And, um, <laughs> and it's quite funny because I told my husband, um, well, you're not going to know if you're a good guy or a bad guy. So <laughs> you'll, <laughs> you'll have to read the book to find out if my, my husband's a good guy or a bad guy in this one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh. <laughs> and he's not going to know or do the readers? I haven't told him yet, you know, I'm still developing parts of the book, uh-huh. so I, ha- I haven't told him yet, but um, I think, I, you know, the readers are definitely not going to know about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, we look forward to, to the sequel then. No, thank you. I'm excited about it. So what do you like to do outside of writing? I'm um, a busy animal rescuer, and uh, for a long time I've, I've worked with um, rescue organizations, and um, I'm one one of those helpful volunteers who takes in foster dogs and helps to keep them until they go to their forever homes. And mm. um, our house is always full of dogs. Um, uh, my, my favorite breed is uh, Weimariners. Mm. And um, I've had many, many Weimariners come and go. Um, occasionally they're failed fosters in that we actually end up keeping them. But I do love, you know, furry animals, four-legged animals, and love doing anything I can for them. Oh, I have a lot of respect and, for you because I think I would have a hard time giving up a pet because I get so attached so quickly. So how do you how do you combat that? My husband's limited me to, <laughs> to three dogs. <laughs> okay. So even when I bring another one in, it is very hard. And I often am the one vetting the new owner. Mm-hmm. And I can visit their home and see where the dog's going. And, and that, that helps me. It reassures me a lot when I'm yeah. actually involved in, in the rehoming of the, of the animal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Michelle, it's been a pleasure talking with you today. And I was wondering if, um, in closing, you could share with us some writing advice for emerging authors uh, based on your own experience. Yes, I think that the best advice I can do is... Um, First and foremost is believe in yourself that you can do it and don't give up. I think uh, I had many moments when, when I felt I, I can't do this. Mm. But I, I think going through the initial stages were extremely hard, you know, getting used to sitting down and, and writing and saying, I'm going to do a thousand words, I'm going to do 5,000 words, uh, you know, I'm going to achieve something. That getting myself into a strict routine was really very helpful. And my my first, before I started the writing, was I created a board. It was a big cork board, and I put all the stories I remembered from Syria on index cards, mm-hmm. and I started to just pin them into my storyboard and decide where these stories would come into the whole arc. And as a visual person, it really helped me create you know, the ups and downs of the story and um, where I could see it going hot and cold. And I even color coordinated it so I could see some mini climaxes and, you know, where she sank a little bit. And ultimately, once I had a clear vision um, on the storyboard and then sat down and started writing my chapters, 
it was an amazing reference for me yeah. um, because a I, I could pick up an index card and say you know what I don't I don't like this here I can pin it somewhere else and or just throw it away if I didn't want it anymore mm-hmm. so I think it was a really good tool yeah kind of like a visual outline yes yes yeah and some people think more visually than others and I was definitely one one of those types of people that you know it really did help me yeah well, that's great advice and great tips. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure learning more about process and just uh, more about you and, and your story. You're welcome. It's such a pleasure to be talking to you, Sherry, and also just to be able to reach out to all the readers and authors out there that you have. Such a wonderful opportunity. Thank you so much. To our listeners, thank you for joining me today for my interview with Michelle Peach. For more information about Michelle and her book, Gazelle in the Shadows, visit her website at michellepeach.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews at InsideScoopLive.com. <laughs>